Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Did you know that we actually get high? We get something called a dopamine hit from starting new resolutions over and over, but that sticking to resolutions doesn't usually give us that same high. So we make new commitments and it feels a bit like falling in love. We get all jazzed and motivated and we feel uplifted. But then after a few days or so, that new feeling starts to wear off and it's easy to fall off the wagon of the commitment. So we do whatever it takes to get us to feel that high again, and we make more and more new commitments, but don't always stick to them. And around and around we go. And sometimes not sticking to our commitments not only means that we don't fulfill our goals, but it can actually start to affect our self-esteem and our belief in ourselves. This week, I have one of my dear friends, the remarkable, beautiful Gabrielle Bernstein with me. Gabrielle is an inspirational author, speaker, and one of the kindest, most generous, honest, genuine human beings I've ever met. And she's created the Spirit Junkie Movement, attracting the attention of millions of women, as well as other inspirational leaders, including Oprah and Deepak Chopra, to name just a few. Gabby has appeared on numerous television shows from Oprah's Super Soul Sunday to the Dr. Oz show to what I consider especially badass, the Queen Latifah show. And I'm a big fan of all of them. I am so delighted to have you here, Gabby, as my first guest on Natural MD Radio. Thank you for joining me. Yay. So happy to be on. So fun. It's awesome. I love you. I love you too. Gabby, your journey has been really remarkable and not always easy. And you've had to make some pretty major commitments on your way to becoming the original spirit junkie. Can you share your backstory with listeners? Sure. Yeah. I I, uh, definitely think like most of us have uh, an experience of being on my own sort of dark night of the soul before I decided <laughs> to really step into my spiritual beliefs and my spiritual practice. And I uh, was was like, lucky to be brought up by a very spiritual mother and taught to meditate at a very young age and given very uh, many mindful principles that I applied in my life at a very young age. But when I was in my early 20s, I kind of turned my back on it. I started looking for my happiness outside of myself. I started looking for my self-worth in my credentials and in my relationships and in my romantic partners. And I was no longer really tuning into that spiritual faith that I once had learned as a child. And by the time I was 25, I had a really big bottom. I hit a quarter life crisis because I was really seeking that happiness outside of myself to the point where I was really disconnected from the truth of who I am. And I had been searching and searching for that happiness, safety, and security in all the wrong places, which led me to work addiction and love addiction and, and worse off drug addiction. And so by the time I'm 25, I'm, I'm running my business into the ground. I have lost all my real friends. I'm addicted to drugs and alcohol. I'm severely codependent and I'm looking at my life and I'm like, this, there has to be a better way. Like this is not working for me. 
And so I, I started to open my heart and open my mind to receive guidance. And just whether I realized it or not, I was saying prayers and I was praying for help. And October 2nd of 2005, I woke up in the morning and I remember hearing a very loud voice within me, my voice of my intuition saying, get sober, get clean, and you'll live a life beyond your wildest dreams. And that voice was so loud and so undeniable that I had no other choice but to really listen to that voice and show up for it. And so I decided that day to make the commitment to get clean and sober. And then that day really was the catalyst for me moving back into my spiritual practices and building a spiritual understanding of my own. And so that was 10 years ago, almost to the month. And that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I've just been on a very uh, steadfast practice of of turning inward and looking for my peace and self-worth and happiness from my internal condition, not from the outside world. And it's been, it's been an incredible journey and worth every bit of of time and effort and energy that I've put into myself and my belief system. And I am today definitely living a life beyond my wildest dreams as a result of it. Congratulations. It was actually, we got to share your 10th anniversary together dinner. And that was such a privilege and so much, such a great thing that you've come through. And now you're sharing it with so many other people. It's beautiful. What do you think it is that makes us as human beings so prone to looking outside of ourselves for that validation? I think that that's what we're taught. Uh, the world that we live in teaches us that our appearance is what makes us worthy. Our financial success and status is what makes us worthy. Uh, our, that we're lovable when we are, are you know, have, have a credential that's, that's strong. And that's, that's what we're taught. That's the world that we live in. That is the world that we have, a perceptual world that we continue to, to reinforce on a daily basis by watching the news and reading gossip magazines and buying into the belief systems of the world. And it's a lot to reprogram, actually, because it's, it's, it's the programming is so hardcore that reprogramming those belief systems has to be equally, if not more, committed in order to create that change that we want to experience. Totally. I've never fortunately struggled with a substance addiction, but I didn't realize until really this year, um, about 10 months ago, it's been kind of a journey for me that I had developed an addiction to a certain level of achievement and it was in the striving. And what I found for myself is that what it was was, for me from a young age, that achievement got me out of some pretty rough situations, like a tough environment that I grew up in. So it started out actually as a survival mode that was really good for me. But at some point I realized that that survival pattern was actually maladaptive and I didn't have to strive and reach and achieve. I could actually be at peace with who I was. And it didn't mean I didn't, you know, don't set goals or have things and dreams and things I want to accomplish and do in the world, but it's a very different place. And what happened for me was I kind of stepped away from a powerful situation to be in truth with myself. And it was like this motor that had been running inside me went off. I tell people it's like when the electricity goes off in a storm and all of a sudden you realize how quiet it is because you don't hear that hum of electricity. And I realized that in order for me to stay in my truth, part of it is becoming aware of the what for me are actually physical sensations in my body that tell me when I'm stepping out of my truth. Like when I'm saying yes, when I really want to say no, or when I'm 
doing something that doesn't feel right. Do you have something similar or different that tells you inside yourself when you're in your truth and when you're stepping out? Yeah, actually, this is a topic I've been thinking about a lot and something I've been teaching on a lot lately is I know the difference very intimately between what it feels like to be in my truth versus out of my truth. And being in my truth, I feel like I'm breathing smoothly. I'm not thinking about what I'm saying. I'm surrendered. I'm relaxed. I'm joyful and free. Whereas when I'm out of alignment with my truth, I'm not breathing. I'm uh, thinking about what the next word would be, thinking about how I can be be how I'm being seen, conscious of what other people are thinking of me, um, uh, uncomfortable, anxious, and fearful. And so it's very, very clear to me the difference between the two. Mm-hmm. I think for me, if uh, one of the things I'm working with more and more in my medical practice is actually helping women to you know, feel their feet on the ground, feel how they feel in their belly, what kind of thoughts are running through their head, like what stories are they playing? Like you said, you know, you're having almost like a backstory. You're in a situation, but you're also thinking, how am I being perceived rather than just being kind of fully present? How do you catch yourself when you're in that space? And then how do you flip the script when one of those old, you know, either external validation or comparing yourself or any of those um, things start to rear their head? Well, the way back for me is through my breath. And so when I notice myself disconnect, I will start to breathe very slowly and have a deep belly breath and reconnect to a place of of self-worth and love. And then the next thing is self-compassion. So I'll do it. I'll talk back to myself with a lot of compassion and and, uh, kindness and generosity towards myself. And so that'll maybe sound like, you know, Gabby, you're doing the best you can, or this is, this is where you are right now in this moment, but that's okay. And and it's okay to be upset about this, but you can just be at peace wherever you are. And just having a very generous, loving, compassionate conversation with myself will always bring me back. So through my breath and through self-compassion, I can lead my way back. That's beautiful. I think sometimes, and especially as women, we talk to ourselves in ways that we would never talk to our best friends, like about our bodies, about our accomplishments. It's pretty, we can be pretty hard on her. We can kind of be haters on ourselves pretty easily. Yes, easily, easily, very easily. Would you feel comfortable on the air leading us um, listeners through a simple short breathing exercise that maybe not everyone's familiar with using their breath to kind of bring themselves back in? Yeah, of course. I That'd think, be awesome. You know, take a moment just right now. Yeah. So wherever you are right now in this moment, just take a moment to just tap into how you're feeling. And it's likely that in some way you may be feeling some sense of anxiety or or, or maybe tension or any stress. And just tap into a place in your body where you may be holding on to that, that feeling of, of separation or disconnect. And start to breathe gently into that space in your body and allow yourself to be very present with exactly what it feels like exactly what it means to you in this moment and just feel it. Just be in the presence of what that feels like. And as you continue to breathe, breathe deeper into the experience of that discomfort and that presence and just allow it to move through you naturally. Allow yourself to let it pass, allow it to be with you. And when you let yourself be in the presence of it, it can move through you. And on the inhale, breathe into it deeply. And on the exhale, release it. 
And take another deep breath in, feeling it and honoring that feeling. And then on the exhale, letting it go. And take another deep breath in and feel it and then release it. And continue with that cycle of breath. Start to speak to yourself with more compassion and gentleness. Just simply saying things to yourself. We'll use these mantras. I am right where I need to be. All is well. I don't need to change anything about my current experience or my current condition. I have love and compassion towards myself for all that I'm going through right now. And I'm doing the best I can. And take another deep breath in and just feel that shift that occurs when we start to speak to ourselves more compassionately. And then on the exhale, let it go. And take one more deep breath in. And on the exhale, let it go. All right. Awesome. When you're ready, open your eyes. Yeah. Just a simple one minute can get you out of it. Absolutely. And that's the beauty of having these practices. You can just come in and get out. So when you first decided to get sober... I imagine that there were people in your life that you typically would have hung out with who were engaging in behaviors that you were trying to not engage in anymore and that you had to maybe make some changes in your life. What are some of the um, kind of big things that you had to do to not just make the commitment, but like stick with the commitment? And did you have to change your social setting? Did you have to change patterns and habits? And how did you do that? Yeah, a lot of the time, when we get, when we make any change in our life, we have to be conscious of people and places. So they always say in the 12 steps, if you don't want to get a haircut, don't go to a barbershop. And <laughs> that's the same, you know, the same with, if you don't want to pick up a drink, don't go to a bar, right? Yeah. If you don't want to eat sugar, don't go to the bakery. Uh, so I think that there's a lot of value in just really acknowledging what's up for you and where you need to protect yourself and the ways that you can protect yourself and to do it. And so, yes, I changed my friends. I changed my environments. I changed my patterns and my routines, but the changes that I made were mandatory. They were necessary. I couldn't, I couldn't experience recovery without creating radical change. And the changes that I made were worth every, were, were worth every step of the way. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I look back and I'm so glad that I let go of the, the woman who I thought I should be and really accepted who I truly am. Wow. That's such a powerful thing. And I think those changes, while they may seem scary at first are, are worth it. They're really, really, really worth it. So you think, and I, I mean, I totally agree with you. You see that women get stories or people get stories in their heads of, who they should be. And they're kind of living out that story rather than finding their own true story. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we live in this, in these stories of thinking that we should be this cool girl, or we should be the achiever, we should be the earner, whatever the stories are that we, they really uh, are sort of reinforcing our core wounds. Mm -hmm. And the obsession and addiction to those stories and perceptions of who we think we are, are are actually what lead us into addictive patterns in the first place. I also find that in addition to those kind of core wounds, a lot of my patients, for example, when I'm working or students, when I'm working with women around, let's say they want to lose weight and they have an addictive pattern to carbs or sugar or drinking, whatever it is, 
or maybe it's an addictive negative relationship pattern. They keep just getting with the wrong person and they know it, but they're not really listening to it. That um, a lot of this is when people grow up with wounds, they're actually more comfortable in the wounded place. And so they start to make progress toward their goal, right? They start to shift the relationship pattern or the food pattern, and then they start to be happy. And then boom, it's like this big self-sabotage because being happy is what feels kind of abnormal. It's almost like an addiction to an old way of being, and it's being stuck in that wounded place. Have, have you seen that? And how do you work with women around that? Well, you know, I think that, um, you know, Rumi said it best, the wound is the place where the light enters you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the what that means to me is that we can experience our wounds with compassion and grace as well. And we can, we can feel uh, loving towards ourselves, even when we're in the midst of going through that wounded experience. And to trust that the wound is, is actually part of the path and part of the, the journey that we're here to be on. And so uh, I, I don't I don't have any feelings of, of 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 disconnect from the wounds of my past or feelings of of discomfort around them because they're exactly what I needed in order to go through to be where I am today. So it's all just one long kind of lesson in life, or just part of what shapes us to be who we are. It sounds like from from how you embrace this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just finding that self-compassion is really the place to start with all healing. And even when we have symptoms, you know, so many women come to me with symptoms, their fatigue or um, aches and pains. And even there, it's like, I want to get away from this. I don't want to feel this anymore. And, And almost I'm finding that taking a deep dive into the symptoms and actually loving your body for the symptoms and with the symptoms and learning to listen to what they tell us is actually more effective than trying to sort of just get rid of them, that the symptoms actually sometimes give us lessons and cues into what some deeper patterns that we have are, how we relate to our bodies, how we relate to our lives. Yeah, I think that physical symptoms are the symptoms of our spiritual disconnect. And I have a belief system that I know that you and I share, which is that there's a root cause spiritual condition behind most physical I'll speak for myself and say that there's a root cause spiritual condition behind all physical conditions. And that, that can obviously does not in any way, shape or form discredit what we need to do physically for our own physical healing. But there's a huge piece that we miss often. And that's why I'm so grateful that there's doctors like you in the world and that piece around what it means to heal the spiritual condition under, underneath the root cause of what's happening. And so what is it that's spiritually causing us stress that's creating the inflammation that's creating our body to be out of balance and have the physical symptoms that we have? And so when getting to that root cause, while simultaneously changing our diet, while simultaneously taking herbs and supplements, while simultaneously being conscious of our food intake, you know, th- then we can start to see permanent change. So I, I really, I've seen this for myself big time, which is just sort of living out the, the path of being conscious of my life symptoms and seeing those life, those physical symptoms as, as spiritual symptoms that I needed to heal. For women who are new to making that connection, what are some of the tools that you recommend for starting to identify what those root spiritual causes are that manifest as some of the physical symptoms we have, or, or just not, it's not even always a physical symptom. It can be like a 
some kind of a disconnect in our life, right? It could be a job that's making us unhappy or a relationship. It can be any number of things. It can be a life symptom, not just a physical <laughs> symptom. Well, well, when looking at those life symptoms of like unhappiness and discontent in our life's experiences, whether it's a relationship or a work environment or something that's bringing us down, we have to ask ourselves, is this a feeling of, of being uh, not good enough or unlovable? And really tapping into, am I feeling not good enough or am I feeling unlovable or both? And because often when we're in those situations where we don't like the job or we don't like the relationship, we'll point the finger at the other person. But really the way to find out the root cause of our spiritual condition is to ask ourselves, am I feeling unlovable or am I feeling not good enough? And then that will be the direction to really help us path uh, find the pathway to recognizing what is our core wound underneath the experience of the circumstance. And so when we start to identify our own core wound, we can begin to take responsibility for our experiences and stop blaming the world for them. Mm. That's hard, isn't it? Sometimes it's so much easier. Sometimes it seems easier to just be like, well, it's your fault. Instead of actually doing the work, stopping long, because it also means stopping long enough. And I think we can get so busy in our lives that it's almost easier to like point your finger and move on. But it actually really does require creating a little bit of reflective time in life, I think, whether that's journaling or meditating or art, something that gives you time for that introspection. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we want to do this type of work if we're going to look at our wounds and look at our feelings in a place of silence and stillness and and reflection and not sort of just on the fly or just self-prescribing, but instead taking that time to really go deep and really look closely at what's happening. You know, it's so interesting. I just read this book and it was about self-love and self-compassion around healing. And one of the things that the, when it was also about willpower and one of the things that the author was talking about is this woman, Kelly McGonigal, about how when we're trying to change a habit, let's say you're trying to quit eating sugar and maybe you're eating sugar because not, I mean, it could be candida, it could be other things that are making you crave the sugar, but it also could just be stress or boredom or loneliness or just overwhelm in your life. And when you are trying to quit the habit, and you, let's say you do the thing that you're trying not to do. So you just, you know, like you eat a whole bag of M&Ms or something. You're like, then you're, you don't actually feel better. Like maybe for a second you get a sugar high, but 15 minutes later, you're actually beating yourself up because not only did you eat something you didn't want to, but now you feel like, well, I can never stick with something or whatever. And it was really interesting because there was a study that, that looked at if you actually just love yourself and forgive yourself for doing that and just understand like, okay, I was tired or I was stressed. You just look at what that wound was. Okay. I was actually feeling really unloved and I got rejected and I just dove into the sugar because the sugar actually gave me an emotional kind of moment of relief from all those stress hormones. Cause that's what it does. But if you love yourself about it, then you're less likely to do that again. Whereas if you beat yourself up over it, like, oh my God, I can never stick with a diet. I can't ever do this. I can't quit sugar. I'm a loser. Whatever, you know, whatever these crazy thoughts that people get in their heads that they actually share with me as patients. Um, if you do that, you're actually more likely to go and do more of the habit that you're trying to break because now you've um, pumped up more stress hormones by telling yourself, hateful thoughts. And so then you need more of that stuff to self-soothe you. It's amazing. Like just even hateful thoughts. Totally. Yeah. yeah. It's a vicious cycle. 
That's like addiction. That's like addiction 101. You know, it's like when you see that there is all this, this, it's a, it's an addictive pattern. It's like you look for the way to anesthetize the feeling and then you feel terrible for what you've done. Then you do it again because you want to anesthetize that new feeling of feeling terrible about yourself. So it's, yep, it's, it, it's a cycle. (laughs) So for you, you had a literal wake up call. You woke up one morning and you had this big voice in your head that you just couldn't ignore. Do you have some insights Mm -hmm. for women who maybe don't have such a big booming voice in their head? That's like, you know, it's like you have to make this change because your life is like, this is where you're just at, but maybe it's more subtle, but they still want to make a big change in their life. They want to start over in some way. How do you find your why or the motivating force that keeps you going forward so you can really stick with a change that you're, that you want to make? Yeah, I think that, you know, the way that we can create change is when we want it. And so for me, there was many months that I was trying to get clean and sober before I actually did. And it was just a constant experience of like being in this battle with my, um, with, you know, with my uh, addictive behavior, my patterns, my, and, and the struggles that I was going through. And so I found that, you know, going, going to a place of full surrender had to come through daily prayer and whatever prayer may be for you it can be setting intentions every day it can be actually hitting your knees and saying a prayer but surrendering and having a deep 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 willingness to change is the catalyst for creating permanent change and actually having the energy to begin the next right actions to put you on a path of creating that sustainable change and that only comes with a deep desire if you do not want to change deeply 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 you will not Uh, if you only, you know, if you're one foot in and one foot out, right. I know a lot of people like that with the sugar, with the alcohol, it's like, yeah, I want to get rid of it, but I'm not really sure I want to give up that wine on Friday nights, or I'd like to kick the sugar, but I'm going to stick to having that brownie every evening, you know, whatever it is when you're one foot in one foot out, you will never, you, you have to never, but that behavior is what keeps you stuck in the same patterns. It's the experience of really hitting, hitting that surrendered state and genuinely really wanting it that can begin the path of change. So my, my, my suggestion for somebody that's a newbie to this is to just be in the prayer of thank you, universe, God, whoever you speak to for giving me the willingness to change. Mm. Thank you for showing me the willingness to change and pray for the willingness. And that's a really beautiful first right action. That's beautiful. There's a lot of research around willpower that shows that being in constant stress and pumping out stress hormones all the time, we've talked about this in our um, conversations, Gabby, around allostatic load and kind of that straw that breaks the camel's back, but that those stress hormones actually short circuit your frontal lobe and your ability to have willpower. So definitely meditation and being in a prayerful state can take us out of that kind of sympathetic overdrive and bring us back into a quieter place that actually lets us have willpower. But you, I've heard you're teaching um, at various places and you, you take something to an even deeper level, which I find very beautiful. And um, it's stepping out of the idea of willpower and that sort of we control it. It's not giving up personal responsibility, but it's actually surrendering to a belief that there's more holding us in the universe. And I think you say something like, 
if you're trying to do it yourself, then you haven't really kind of let go. And can you talk about that a little more? I think it's very powerful to feel that feeling of being held by the universe a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, the, the lesson is that when you're relying on your own strength, that's the presence of fear. The presence of fear is that you're relying on your own strength. And so if you're thinking like, I'm going to white knuckle this, or I'm going to make it happen. But my belief system is that real genuine change, of course, comes with your effort and your commitment and your actions, but uh, also ultimately comes through the surrendering of, to a power greater than yourself and choosing to believe in a, in, in a, in a presence of, of God or the universe that, that is meaningful to you in whatever form that comes and establishing that connection in whatever way it, it is, is true to you. And so that, that to me has been, has been one of the greatest virtues that I've been able to experience is just the, the deepening my faith and deepening your faith comes through all kinds of practices, through prayer, through meditation, through, through stillness and silent contemplation, through, uh, having spiritual running buddies that you talk to about your beliefs, listening to podcasts like this and engaging in spiritual conversations, all will be really great catalysts for deepening and strengthening your spiritual connection. I love that spiritual running buddies. That is such a great expression. And there's so much power in doing things together that makes it much more difficult to do it alone. And there's even like research that shows that like who we surround ourselves with actually can determine our heart rates, our thought processes, our weight. Like even if you're friends with people at a distance and they're all like overeating and overweight, like you're, it affects you. So picking those people who can support you sounds like a really powerful part of this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Definitely. if you were going to suggest, let's say three things that women who, let's say, um, we want to succeed at some new goal. What would be three things that you would give as starting places that women could do? Let's say someone's starting a new meditation plan and they've had trouble sticking with one in the past, or they're trying to get really healthy and it means letting go of certain foods that they're really addicted to. How would you say start and three things that you would recommend? So the first one, like I said earlier, is you got to want it. So be in that prayer of the willingness to change every single day for maybe a 40-day practice. Uh, change that same behavior. Do something to shift your behavior and your patterns daily and do it in that 40-day period as well to, to repeat that new behavior and create that permanent change. Because when you get into the pattern of doing something new every single day, you start to long for it. Um, I just started doing Tracy Anderson method every single day. And I'm addicted to it. Like a day can't go by without me doing this video. Workout. Like I'm obsessed and, I, and I'm seeing the results, you know, and it's, it's just cause I'm, I've, I've made it a daily practice and I won't skip a day. And so doing something every single day to keep that repetition of the new behavior. And then I think the third step is to, 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 to really start to create that change in your life is find a, a, a posse of spiritual running buddies that will support you in creating that change. So maybe it's people on a Facebook community that you find or following your Facebook page of Eva and making friends there with people that are in your world that they can trust uh, or just connecting to your close friends that want to get on this path with you. And so really committing to creating that change through that, that camaraderie and that group and that connection will be really powerful for you. I love that. It's so easy for women to get together and sort of just, you know, be and moan about things and like start dishing 
and getting into like talking about other people, but making a commitment that when you're together, shifting that pattern collectively by talking about what your goals are and what you're trying to do in your life and supporting each other. Because, you know, getting into that like sort of negative self-talk or negative talk about each other can really bring the whole thing down. And it's amazing how easy it is to shift when you just start talking about different things and sharing about different things with your peeps. Right. Totally. Yeah, totally. And I think it's necessary. Yeah. You know, I feel so fortunate to have people in my life who support me in what I'm trying to do and remind me of who I am and, and then love me when I'm not coming from my best self, but remind me to like compassionately get back to that place. It's a, it's a real blessing to have that. Miss Gabby, what is mm-hmm. your, if you had one secret key to happiness that you try to live by, what, what's your secret to, that you try to live by every day? Mine's simple. It's um, happiness is a choice I make. And so I have to constantly remind myself that the choices <laughs> that I make throughout my day are mine and I can choose the world that I see and really staying committed and connected to what it is that I am here to create, what I'm here to do, and just really staying clean about my thoughts and my actions. I love that. It's so easy to forget that we are the author of our own lives and that we can choose again. And I think that remembering that you can just start over, even if you're in the middle of like an argument with your partner, you can actually catch yourself right there and be like, wait, is this how I want to feel? Is this actually making me or anybody else Mm -hmm. happy? And then you're just like, okay, reboot. You know, it's like stopping the computer and restarting it. And it's Mm -hmm. like fresh, a fresh light. It's so powerful. Mm -hmm. So you have, you have a major online posse. Can you tell everyone about it so we can get more Gabby? Yeah. So my, um, I have a monthly miracle membership called get more Gabby and it's for people that are on a spiritual path that want to stay committed, want to stay consistent and want to never fall off that meditation wagon again. And it's very simple, easy to do content that actually saves you time and saves you money and saves you energy on your spiritual path. So it's very, uh, clear, concise, uh, focused content that you get every month to stay committed to your path. And all the details are at getmoregabby.com. And it's awesome. It's beautiful. I love it. (laughs) And you've got some great books with day-to-day tips that people can do, 40-day plans, things that women can use to get where they want to go and be happy in the moment while they're getting there. Tell us more. Um, yeah, totally. I have, I have, uh, four books in print and, um, they're all about changing your perceptions and clearing your path. And my first book is called add more aim to your life. And that's a great book for anyone that's new to their spiritual practice. Uh, my second book is called spirit junkie, which is my memoir. My third book is called make cause miracles, which is fantastic for anyone now in the new year, wanting to just amp up their, their resolutions and create long lasting change. And then Miracles Now, which is my most recent book, and that one has um, a lot of love and energy in that book to just open you up to a mindful practice in your day-to-day experiences. Isn't it amazing what happens when you start to listen to your ing, your inner guidance, and start looking for miracles in your life? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a good place to sort of leave everybody with is like this idea that you can actually, you have two choices. You can be looking for the problems or you can be looking for the miracles. And that's something that I learned from you, Miss Aviva. I heard you share that once in one of my lectures. Mm. Is are you looking for the miracles or are you searching for 
the the problems and it's a choice that you make once again. Yeah, I had a I had a uh, kind of a business coach who once said that we can all look for evidence to reinforce the negative because you can find it, right? If you just look for it, you can you can even conjure it in your head. It can be like a look that somebody gives you that you think is about you and that you think oh, they must not like me or I must not be dressed, you know, and it's nothing to do with you. Or you can look for the miracles, the amazing things that happen that we so often overlook day to day that just, oh, you know, we can focus on the negative when there's so many great things happening. Not to dismiss the difficult things, but I like looking for the miracles. And I am so delighted that you came into my life and that you're helping me kick off this new year and this new podcast And I hope listeners will really use the resources that you offer because it is a time of year of making commitments and starting new things. And what a powerful way to do it with the support and the reinforcement that you give so that we're not just making these choices and like getting addicted to starting a new thing all the time, but that we're actually having that deeper satisfaction, that deeper lasting inner satisfaction of making the changes that we want to make. So thank you for being here and being, not just being here on this podcast, but being here on this planet, my dear. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. I love you too. And everybody, I hope you have a beautiful new year. All right, everybody. Thank Mm -hmm. you for joining us on Natural MD. And if you want to get more Gabby, go to getmoregabby.com. If you want to get more Aviva, go to avivaram.com. And see you next time. Happy New Year too. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.